Hello, I'm Penny Varvridis and this is the Strong Habits Podcast. Welcome to episode 21. This is a very special podcast. I speak to special guest, oh I've said special a lot already, uh, Danny Tabor. We were supposed to discuss compassionate weight management but it actually turned out to be self-compassion in general and how being nice to yourself transforms your life. I hope you enjoy. So today I have another special guest, Danny Tabor. Oh man, I don't, I didn't ask you how to pronounce your surname. Right, Tabor. Tabor, okay. (laughs) Thank you, sorry. Uh, Danny Tabor, who is a wellbeing coach who has her own podcast about finding the magic in the shitstorm. It's called That Is Life. Uh, I also found out today that she was in Harry Potter when she was little, which is very cool. I met Danny at an MNU event last year. Was that your graduation when I met you? No, no, I just went along for the ride. Are you doing MNU? No, I um, deferred because of my mum um, who got ill and um, I just needed the time to like grieve. I could not even attempt to do it at the same time. So yeah, I'm going to start back again in September. I mean, that sounds like a very sensible decision. Doing both of those things at the same time would have been way too hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to talk to you today about compassionate weight management and why being nice to yourself has to come first so I feel that like that probably actually leads on from what you just said anyway why don't you start talking (laughs) well I so I think in general whether it's weight management or just just normal life I spent a really long time not being kind to myself, like growing up, like I beat myself up about everything. And I was in, you know, typical teenage stuff, but also like suffered from a lot of, didn't know it was anxiety back then. I used to just say uneasy. Um, I was always uneasy. I was always like unsettled in my skin and never really felt good enough and would just be horrible to myself about stuff. And from a really early age, suffered from disordered eating and body dysmorphia to the point that it really did take over my life um but I used to really believe that if I accepted my body and was kind to myself about my body then it would never change and so I was always held like in my head I always felt I just had to keep being mean to myself because that was the only way that I would be motivated to ever make a difference and I found out after 15 years of doing that, that that was not the case. Change did not come from being unkind to myself. And um, so I think for me, like in terms of how I got to my own self-kindness, there just, there came this moment where I was just so fed up of the shit talk of waking up and being mean to myself in my head. And I think it's, it's just your inner dialogue, isn't it? It's just that, the inner dialogue that, because I definitely hear, I don't know if anyone else hears voices in their head. <laughs> yeah, I mean, isn't that normal? I think so. Right. So you just have that, the pull and sh- should I, should I eat the crisp? No, no, you shouldn't because I don't know that I'm not even going to say the horrible language I used to say to myself, but you know, the voices that would, you know, try and talk you out of things like that. And even in relationships and stuff as well with, um, with men and, you know, I just, I just really got fed up of always talking to myself like crap and then having actions that made me feel like crap because I think when you talk to yourself like crap that's like you're creating the thoughts in your head that you're sort of 
buying into and I just felt like a victim all the time I moaned all the time and those thoughts led to actions which were never the actions were just another way to like self-sabotage to like prove that my thoughts were right so it was like the thoughts that I had that were negative led to negative actions which were just reinforcing the thoughts so you're just in a big cycle of hell (laughs) I am I had a very similar like journey in I think I was always really anxious and have always suffered from panic attacks although I didn't name them as that until probably last year Um, very much I think embedded in this idea that I'm not good enough um and that if I want to do whatever the thing is I need to be different to be able to do it and well I'm not so I suck basically was the story um which is really unhelpful and it makes it really hard to I think make the changes that you want to make because you're spending so much time just beating yourself up that that's where all of the energy goes so then there's no energy left for the other things exactly exactly and because and I really believe in like energy and and vibrations and stuff like that and so when you're giving so much time and energy to one thing like you say like you don't want to get out of bed and do the thing that's going to be productive because you've just you you're drained from hating yourself so much so for me when I like learned that if I actually started saying nice things that actually it like boosted my energy even if I didn't believe the nice thing and like people don't like the fake it till you make it thing um anymore apparently found that out (laughs) I still think that it, it worked for me it was useful because it was about just reinforcing thoughts it wasn't about it wasn't actually faking it because deep 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 down I believe that our soul pure consciousness is like good and so I believe that my my pure thoughts were great but I've just learned this negative pattern so I started saying out loud some positive things and and now you'd call them affirmations at the time I didn't realize but I just started saying kind of things to myself and it gave me energy. Like the more kinder I was to myself, the more I was like, I'm going to get out of bed. Yeah. Like if I'm nice to myself, I wanted to get up and go to the gym. But if I laid in bed, like being like, you're not worth it. You're shit anyway. You're never going to get anywhere anyway. Like what's the point? You're never going to make any progress. You're always going to be this. Like I was not getting out of bed to go to the gym whilst in that like low energy state. So I think as as corny as it sounds, I just think if you're saying things that are making you feel greasier, like lighter and just much more, <sighs> it just encourages you to actually be productive. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree with you. I find that like our, our actions and our feelings are determined by our response to our thoughts. And as soon as you realize that, firstly, you are not your thoughts. And if thoughts are happening, you can just observe them, but also Mm. that you can control your thoughts. So like, if you want to think a thing more, you can do that specifically. Like, that's probably one of the only things in reality that we have any control over. Um, And I think that realization is really empowering because then you're Mm. like, okay, 
well, what do I want? How do I want to feel? What do I want to believe? And then that's the story that you tell yourself and you just repeat it until you do believe it. Exactly. And I think that what do you want to feel? Like I use it with clients so much because we have the choice to feel differently. I remember saying to my mum, she said to me, what if you, I was really annoyed because I've been on this, like, I don't know, some stupid crazy diet. I was going to Vegas with some friends to see Britney Spears. And I was like, we all were in that mode. And I remember putting on some bikinis and being like, I don't understand like why I don't look in inverted commas better. That's what I thought at the time. And my mum was like, Dan, like, what if you just let go of that, like, need for you to look a particular way? Like, what if you could be happy where you're at now? Or, like, would you rather be unhappy but leaner? And I was like, that's ridiculous. I would never be unhappy leaner. Like, I would definitely be happier. And so why would I be happy now? I wouldn't, I just couldn't, I couldn't get it that thought in my head I didn't understand how that was a possibility um and interestingly enough the power of perception because my body doesn't look much different to what it did at the beginning of what I would call my fitness journey um but my perception is just totally different and that is just a choice in my thoughts that's me choosing to not I don't know, compare myself like I used to, or it's me choosing not to believe that smaller is better. It's me choosing to know that I'm worthy, whether I've got butt dimples or not. It's like, oh, I had that power all along. So last week, um, I was at like an online seminar uh, thing run by Rachel Hobbs about... um, and something she said really stuck with me. She said that fat, oh damn, what did she say? Fat is a feeling or something. Oh man, I can't even remember now, but I'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But essentially she was saying that our feeling of fatness isn't actually relative to the amount of body fat that we have. It's related more to how we feel about other things. So it's yes. like this smoke screen to like the other stuff. So if you're feeling anxious or insecure or like maybe you've had an argument with someone or maybe you're worrying about money or there are just there are so many other things that are affecting your mood and then it comes out as this feeling of like body dissatisfaction because I guess that's the thing that you feel like you have the most control over because there are so many things that you can't control but you can control what you eat so then I'll just eat less that will make everything better only it doesn't actually because that wasn't the thing that was wrong Um, yeah and you haven't dealt with that exactly and I think Mm. that's really it's a really powerful thing that realization because there are lots of things that you do actually need to deal with and work through that are going to affect how you feel and if you keep ignoring them and focusing on this other thing that really is kind of arbitrary Mm -hmm. you'll never actually get what you're trying to achieve if what you're trying to achieve is feeling better and I imagine it's the same for you but most of the time when clients come to me wanting to lose weight what they actually want is to feel better in their skin and they can get that feeling without ever actually getting to the body that they had in their head that they wanted when they started totally because it's often about a process and actually about an act 
it's about actions that you do day to day, like small wins and small habits that you build in day to day that just make you feel better. And it doesn't even mean have to be like an overall in the day. It's just like, even if it's one thing you do to start off with, that you go like, oh, like that made me feel good. You know, if it's eating, like you've got a plate of food, but half of the plate happens to be vegetables. Like, you know, I don't know. I just feel smug eating vegetables. There's not really much else to it for me. I'm just like, hey, hey, girl. Um, and so I have that like snippet of, of kindness. And I think because people, when they say they want to lose weight, and that's one of like one of my main questions that I always start off with, with my, my coaching is, what do you really want? Like when you say I want to lose fat, what does it mean? for you to lose fat like what is this perception you have that if you lost fat you would have what is it and do you know what a lot of the time people can't actually answer because we've been taught a lot of things like well if I if I lost fat I would be more comfortable in my skin is I suppose often the easy go-to and so my then question is like why what would it mean because people say yeah but my clothes would fit better and I'm like you could just buy bigger clothes like when the first time I ever did that I remember I was on tour in America and I literally was like I always swore if I ever bought this size this is how messed up my head used to be like if I ever had to buy this size that I was about to buy like I would obviously just go on a diet I would never buy that size clothes I mean firstly it wasn't it wasn't a big size I've never been overweight I have to say that so this was a lot this was all in my mind and I just got to this point where my, my jeans were tight and I was like I'm just gonna buy bigger jeans oh my god mind blown I could just buy bigger jeans and then I was just I was more comfortable so I definitely think it's that we've been taught that losing weight will equal freedom and choice and 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 happiness and things I mean in a very subliminal subliminal way um but actually like when people say they want to lose weight and for me for me it meant I wanted to be accepted and I wanted to belong like those were the things I was actually chasing and the moment I realized that I was chasing that and that I could actually be accepted and belong as in I could accept myself and belong to myself I stopped the the need of having to be accepted by other people because really in this society I still believe that society does accept you much more easily if you are I mean this is maybe this is controversial but like white blonde and slim like and you know I'm mixed race and I never really I never I never felt not accepted for that reason but when I think subliminally about what I saw in magazines or who was on the telly like it wasn't me so I think I was just always chasing like I wanted to be, I mean, Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera, like I remember being 14 and like them wearing them hipster jeans and then not having fat over the top. I wanted that. I wanted it so bad it hurt because then if I had it, I would be as cool as them, as wanted as them, you know? I think it's a really common thing. And like, I remember the first time I bought shorts that were the size up and it, on, it honestly, I think, changed my life. I was like, I can go out and know that I can eat and know that my jeans are still going to fit me later. Like, yeah. like mind-blowing. <laughs> um, 
but it you're you're right like i think that being able to see people who are like you in the media succeeding and also having storylines that aren't just about like being background characters or Mm. bad things happening to them or being the bad people like I think it's really important that definitely really affected me like I there was when I was growing up there was only one show that had a gay character which was Buffy and then there was Xena which was implied gay but they were never Mm. actually explicitly gay and like that totally affected me that I remember there was a film when I was 10 that I was watching with my mom and there were lesbians in it. And because there was nothing else that was gay on, my mom turned it off because she was so disgusted. And like that moment stuck with me for my whole life. Like that really affected me. But like now, now there are so many shows with gay, gay kids, like teen shows aimed at teenagers that have teenagers who are gay. And the storyline is not about them being gay or about them killing themselves. It's just they're (laughs) existing as people. And it's incredible. And it makes such a difference. That was a segue, sorry, tangent. But that's it, isn't it? Because it's it's not even, I didn't even need to see anyone making a point about being, I don't know, brown or having some extra fat on their skin. You just wanted to see it. Like it was totally the norm because then you would feel like, oh yeah, yeah, like this is me too. Like I'm in this as well. And so, of course, when you see telly now, like, I can, can you imagine being a teenager? It would, well, some parts of thinking being a teenager now freaks me out. Um, but at the same time, there is a lot more diversity of, of characters and, and stuff like that on, on telly that aren't just making a point, which I don't know about size. And um, I think it's changing a lot in the modelling world, but I do still feel that a lot of telly still if it's you know if the characters got some fat on them I often think there's like a you know the um like I loved it the Amy Schumer film was like a cheesy comedy film about like finding you know falling in love with yourself and I think did she wake up and she saw herself as lean and slim but something like that and I just thought, yeah, but it's always like, it's a point being made. I just want to see some characters in different shapes and sizes. I'm not asking anyone to like, it hasn't got to even be the extremes, show the extremes as well. But it's just, just the diversity of it all, which I, I think for me and Instagram, that's why sometimes I think, why do I need to necessarily still put my you know body on Instagram in my bikini or underwear? But for me, I think it's like, because I'm not overweight. Um, and so I do sometimes think, oh, what sphere do I fit into? I know that the body positivity sphere, you know, I'm, I'm too small for some people to be making a point. And then in the fitness sphere, you know, I'm probably like 6% over the body fat of you know, the normal fitspo. So then I don't fit into that, you know, sphere. But the point is like, I'm just a normal person that like, likes going to the gym and lifting. And wants to share my body so that there's other people that see that living this lifestyle doesn't have to be either or like sometimes I'm smaller sometimes I gain weight like it changes because my life changes and or sometimes it doesn't change you know and last year was the most unhealthy um unhappiest year I suppose technically of my life because my mum had cancer and it was you know I was eating out of like petrol stations and then we were in the hospice and so I wasn't taking care of myself as much as I had been 
and my body like I actually lost weight do you know what I mean and people would assume like oh and it was like no actually I'm really not in a good headspace right now but it's just I'm not very hungry because my mum's dying and that it's I just find it really interesting I think you know the perceptions we have of what equals what I wasn't actually being that kind to myself so that my body wasn't a reflection of that I think it's interesting that people always assume that weight loss is good especially Mm -hmm. when in times of stress or sickness weight loss is normally a byproduct of forgetting to eat and having no appetite um yeah and people like I think that's why you have to be careful what you say to people because if the first time you see someone in ages the first thing you say is oh you look great when they look what you say is great in inverted commas because they've lost weight because they've not been able to eat because terrible things are happening yeah that is not helpful Um, and that connection you make in your head then is like oh I better I I should I look great now so I oh and I do think subliminally you think oh I better sort of probably keep to this lifestyle because we've been force fed this idea that you know it's great to lose weight and you know I just think I'm not a I'm not not a fan of like I I believe that you're allowed to still want to diet if you want to diet and change your body composition if you want to change your body composition like I I'm definitely not against that I'm against doing it if you think it's going to buy you happiness I'm against doing it if you sell your soul to get it and I'm against doing it if to do it you have to be unkind to yourself and so therefore for me like if someone has intentional or unintentional weight loss um but the choices they've made are kind and that doesn't always that doesn't always have to mean like I I had this debate the other day about like you know is being in a deficit i.e like being you know technically like on a diet right like if it's being in a deficit can you call it self-kindness can you say that's really like self-love because I'm not sure but that doesn't mean I don't think that we should do it because it doesn't automatically mean self-hate like if I choose to the, oh, I'd like to see what muscle I've built up underneath the, the percentage of body fat I have, I believe I could go on a cut and it not be because I hate myself. And it's just purely because it would be great to see like what I would look like with some of my muscle showing. Do I care enough to bother doing it right now? No. May I in six months? Maybe. I just think um, I hate the fact that the industry is very black and white. This was actually something I wanted to move on to next. So perfect timing. Thanks very much. Um, I think there's this, yeah, like you said, it's, it's very polarized. So there's like the diet industry traditionally over here, you must be smaller by these things. And then mm. the anti-diet industry over here, that's like, you should not want to make any sort of changes to your body. That is terrible. Just love yourself and don't worry about it. Um, mm. And I think most people actually live in the middle and you can for sure accept and love yourself as a whole person and see yourself as a whole person and not just as what your body is. And then also strive for change because humans want to improve at stuff and want to change stuff. Like that's part of being a human and wanting to like things to be different and having a thing to work towards some kind of purpose. And whether that is, in this particular moment, I want some less body fat or I want bigger muscles or I want to be able to do this thing or I want to learn this thing. Like 
regardless of what the thing is i think it's human nature to want stuff and i don't think there's anything wrong with that and i i found with a lot of clients who work with me they feel more shame from the anti-diet side of the scale for wanting to do anything i've got a few clients who when they started would be like i feel really bad about wanting to like say no to pizza and i'm like but did you want the pizza it's like well no yeah because i want like to do this thing that i'm here trying to do but the shame the shame comes more from the anti-diet end of things which i think is really interesting because it's like i see why it started in response to the diet culture which is ridiculous and terrible and makes people feel awful but it went too far like in the complete opposite direction that people who are in the middle just feel bad for being in the middle yeah and i i do wonder whether actually having spoken to quite a few sort of anti-diet people i don't know if it's the anti-diet you know, the advocates of that the, you know, what's the word the activists of that the, the, the main people speaking it I don't know if it's those people actually making it as extreme or whether the movement that like takes a hold and then that's now how we see it and how we perceive it because I don't know when you actually talk to them they're like they're not dead set against people you know losing weight necessarily what a lot of them um it might just be that they're dead set against diet culture telling us that losing weight would make us better um and i do believe we've all been brainwashed and i do believe that a lot of the time with clients and myself that you know if we really took this is what i've asked myself this question a couple of times and see what you think so I love training. I love lifting and I don't lift, you know, I got into exercise thinking it would help my body composition. Obviously it does. If you utilize progressive overload and you eat a decent amount of protein, blah, blah, blah. But I do, I lift now because I just, I love going to the gym and I love the like routine of going to the gym and I you know, love putting on my leggings. And then I love, I do love progressing. Um, but to be honest, if someone said to me five years ago, you can do it consistently, like three to five times a week for the next five years, but your body won't look very different. Would I have been down for it at the time? Um, probably not at the time. And now if it actively, the thing is the byproduct of doing it consistently with, um, consistently with progressive overload means the byproduct means that I technically fall into society's more ideal than not. And I wonder if, if I did it and it pushed, and this is being really honest and I, and I don't want to come across like an absolute dick, but I have to say it because I think it's really interesting because I sit on this like kind of anti-diet fence and I talk about like, we should, we should all be worthy no matter what. And I believe that my whole, my soul believes that. But if lifting and I loved it, but if it made me gain weight, as an example, and not maybe sit where I sit with what I find I'm very comfortable in my body, would I like it as much? I just wonder if I've, I'm still part of the brainwashed team, you know, like I've still, I've still got that in me because I, I don't know. 
I just, I, I just, me and my friend pondered, like, we go over this question a lot because, like, we, she, um, she boxes and we talk a lot about, um, the fact that she has to make weight a lot of the time and we you know we talk about that psychological pull like a lot of people in these um sports are often dealing with a lot of weight issues and, and psychological issues attachment to their body being a particular size but i've got to make weight are you in the sport because you've got to make that weight um so i just think it's always something to kind of question but that doesn't mean i'm not going to stop I don't think even if that is the case for me, like it's still a learning curve. Like I'm, I'm still learning. Like I'm only five years into all of these thoughts about my body. Like five years ago, I still wanted to be like 50 kilos thinking that like that was sustainable for me. And that was, you know, my ideal weight. Whereas now I don't have an ideal weight. I don't care. I have an ideal lifestyle and my body, whichever goes along with that lifestyle is that ideal body. That's how I try and see it. And that's how I try and help, like push my clients, like pick your lifestyle first. How do you want to live? Yeah, I like that. I have a similar approach with my clients. Like um, I've spoken to a few of them before about PTs that they'd had in the past that would like yell at them if they wanted to have a beer or something or like eat a pizza and be like, well, you'll never get that. And I'm like, well, but what do you want more? Like, do you want to hang out with your friends or do you want to be lean enough that you never get to hang out with your friends? Because that's kind of the choice. Yeah. And here is a photo yeah. of me drinking beer because this is my choice. <laughs> because like, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to, you have to think about the life that you want to have and what would make you happy. And there is an amount of body fat that is going to go with that life. And if you want, like that is going to change over time, depending on what you want to do. And that is okay. Like we're not built to be exactly yeah. the same. And I think a lot of the time, no. the body size that people have in their minds is probably when they were teenagers, um, and oh, yeah, they want to like go back to that. Um, but it's like unsustainable, and also, especially if you're in your thirties or forties or fifties, and maybe you've had kids and maybe your job is all sitting down now, but when you were younger, you were running around all the time because you were doing all the scut work and you didn't have a car. Like Mm. it's unrealistic to put that kind of pressure on yourself to be what you were before when our bodies are built to change. And it's, like wanting to change is fine but I think it should be realistic like you should give yourself realistic goals so that they're actually achievable because if your goals are achievable then not only will you actually achieve them which will make you feel good but if every day you're making progress towards whatever it is that you want you will you will feel better in yourself than if you're constantly striving for something that you're never going to get to which will consistently make you feel like a failure yeah yeah totally and just adjusting the like end point, I think is helpful. I think even if you've got big goals and I, so for me, I always have to compare myself to like my career and stuff that, and, and say money um, wants and stuff that I want these days more so because I'm less attached to my body, but definitely still much, I'm more attached now to my career, I think as a, as a thing. But I think, even if it's the bigger picture you want, you've got to break that big picture down into like small incremental things. Because if I'm like, I want to have a number one best-selling book and a stint on this morning and um, do a one-woman show, like 
that's not that it's not possible but like if every day that that's just my like what do I what do I need to do every day to get me there and so even if you've got this big goal uh to do with your body composition I think you need to think about your daily your daily do's and your habits mm-hmm. that are going to consistently help you get there and um, because then if then you can small wins isn't it I don't know James Clear's Atomic Habits book is just such a great book that I recommend to anyone and I take so much from it and it is just about small wins that you know if you've got the majority like six out of ten are wins towards the person you want to be then you're doing great if one day you only get two wins and like the rest weren't you know pushing you towards the person you want to be the next day you can attempt for three it's like it's that kindness against yourself it's rather than being like oh my god I like didn't do anything to be the person I wanted to be today it's like look for the thing look for the one thing that you did do for yourself or sometimes it's just the fact that I got up and washed and that might be all it needs to be but you've got to find things that you can be kind to yourself about even if it's really feels really small because I think those small things add up yeah 100% I try and get my clients to focus on like daily non-negotiables so maybe five things that are going to help them that they just do every day and then anything else is extra um and then something that I do and that I also try and encourage them to do but some of them think it's a bit too wank so they don't (laughs) um is like write like almost give yourself a little review at the end of the day so these are the things that I said I would do these are the ones that I did this is why I didn't do the other ones this is what I'm gonna do tomorrow um and I think like having that purposeful time where you're thinking about what you actually did and what you want to do makes it much easier to do the things because if you go to bed and the last thing you've thought about is these are the things I'm going to do and then you wake up and you're like well I mm. said I was going to do these three things so I'll just do these three things and anything else is extra you, yeah. you do it you reinforce this idea that you're a person who does what you say you'll do which means that every time you say you do something you'll be more likely to do it and then before you know it you're like doing the things that you said you would do instead of yeah. talking yourself into it all of the time yeah you've actually and the thing is as well if you're choosing things that you actually like to do I think you know I say this to clients as well like choose food you actually like to eat you're going to eat it choose a lifestyle that you actually enjoy and you're going to want to do it consistently but I think people assume that that means that the choices they make have to be like oh well I want to eat pizza for breakfast every morning and it's like do you really because it actually one when I do do that it's a treat it's like not not a treat I hate using those words but it's like a special occasion so I feel great if I did it every day it would just be boring it wouldn't be exciting um but also I think and this is what I say about when I have been on a cut I've probably done one eight week cut a year for the last few years um where I felt like it's not because I hate myself um and I find positives in it. So like I find things that I enjoy. I enjoy being more creative with my meals and I enjoy, you know, making my meals more voluminous. And I don't go like, I'm not hungry when I've cut. I've done many cuts where like, yes, you have that slight hunger, but like here and there, but that not, I've never been ravenous. And so for me, like I found a way that works and I can still enjoy the positives in achieving something particular. And I think if you are doing something that you want to do, even if like it's hard and it's not like 
the most fun in the world like because realistically every single day wouldn't it be the most fun if I could just like go to Zara and just buy all the clothes because the money's in my bank it's like yeah but that's not realistic and I don't go into Zara every week (laughs) so my therapist is in bloody central London right so I can go to every Friday like I'll go down Oxford Circus and like I could buy something every single week but I'm an adult I have boundaries and so therefore I'm like okay well no because I'm gonna go out for dinner with my husband tonight or I'm seeing the girls and we're gonna get cocktails so let's just manage my money a little bit better I don't walk out of Zara being like I'm restricting myself I'm not living my best life so to me it's like you can go into prayer and not buy the cookie and that doesn't mean you're being shit and it doesn't mean that you're like not self-loving it just means that you perhaps have boundaries that you've set for yourself and instead you'll go and get a croissant with your best friend tomorrow when the experience feels better than it might today on your own so I just think I hate the way with food it's you should just eat all the cookies and do whatever you want because YOLO and you should love yourself enough to know you're worthy and it's like yeah look I love myself to know I'm worthy whether I eat the cookie or not but I also um, I enjoy having a boundary around not buying pizza for breakfast every morning and Zara clothes every single day like I don't need to do that to be a good human yeah that's a really good point and I think the idea of self-love has been almost like I don't know it's confused I think like people have equated self-love with like you said YOLO so do all the things but actually self-love is also boundaries and is also taking care of yourself and working on yourself and doing the things that you need to do to like be a better you and feel better in yourself and that includes things like not always eating the chocolate or not eating the whole jar of Nutella in one go just because you like Nutella or like going to therapy and doing some journaling and like yeah doing it's more it's more than just doing whatever you want like self self-love and self-care is also self-work I think oh definitely because I think when I talk about self-love I think it's an action it's not like a feeling so for me love and I say this about even my love for my husband it's like a choice I am choosing you know yeah lust we fell in lust with each other at the beginning but every other day since that lust wore off you know it's been 11 years we've chosen to love each other we choose to be kind to each other we choose to be compassionate and empathetic and we choose to care for one another and there are times when he does my head in and there are times where I really don't like his behavior and I think that he's a twat face and that's the same for me and my body there's times where I don't like my body's behavior or there's times where I perceive my body to be doing something I don't want it to do like having butt dimples and it's like but I can still choose to love it i.e be kind to it compassionate empathetic and that's something I can choose to do to it every single day no matter what it looks like no matter how many dimples or cellulite or rolls it has I can make the choice to be kind to it no matter what and sometimes being kind to it is eating a jar of Nutella and sometimes being kind to it is having just the spoon it really depends on any given day and it depends on my mindset and it depends on the perception I have of what I'm doing so when I used to binge it wasn't about the food and it's not that now it's not that I don't indulge and I don't have high calorie days it's and possibly the same amount of calories when I binge versus when I have a high calorie day now but it's a mindset thing 
when I was binging, it was like, I hate myself. I just need to eat. Oh, I just, if I eat it all now, it won't matter tomorrow. And then I, I, I can just numb myself. And if, if I eat loads, everyone won't notice me. And maybe like, they'll think I'm fun. And there was all of those thoughts associated with it. When I, like, when I eat a high calorie day now, I'm like, hmm, let me make a choice. It's like a calm it's controlled. It's like enjoyable. I'm like, this is for me. This is because me and my husband are like spending the night. We've got crisps and dips and we've got the cocktails in and like, there's just a totally different mindset. So it's not really about, uh, you know, the amount of which you're eating or whatever. Um, I think it's that self, like self love is definitely a very sort of controlled, like inner in a soul like contentment feeling which I feel comes from the kindness actions that we do to ourselves yeah I love that okay so what are some things that are in your toolkit to help you be kinder and more compassionate to yourself um one of the things that I always fall back to um Sabar and Katie um thing my mum taught me this because she'd done a workshop with Bar and Katie I think and it was um it's just asking if your thoughts are facts like uh, oh you know I can do this I like went through a phase where I was like <laughs> I think everyone on Instagram hates me I mean ev- I think I went through this phase of feeling like everyone in the fitness industry hated me I mean firstly they didn't know who I was but like <laughs> I, I definitely decided that they hated me and then I was like, is it a fact? It like, is it an actual fact? Like, and I just, that, that question on its own saves me every time because nine times out of 10, it's not a fact. So even if like I'll put on jeans and they're too tight and I'm pissed off about it and I have to ask myself like why I'm pissed off. And it's, you know, it's usually because like I don't feel good enough or I feel like I failed at something because the jeans don't fit. And then I'm like, is that a fact? No. The fact is I ate in a surplus, right? Like that's a fact, but I don't have to be emotionally uh, like tied to that. So um, I think it's like taking sometimes as well, like, so is it a fact? Um, Detaching myself from some of the thoughts I have and taking the emotion out really helps. So I can have the thoughts, but it's my thoughts about the thoughts that like matter. So I can have the thought, my jeans don't fit but it's like if I've got the thought that that's a bad thing then that's the emotional attachment so I often try and just take that out of it um the perceived idea um you know like they say it's not your body well I don't who says this but it isn't your body that's the issue it's the thoughts you have about your body that's the issue and that's totally that's totally true um so those those two things um are great um, what was what was it? Tool tool toolkit things for self kind. Uh, yeah, tools tools for self kindness. What things help you? Those um, good. Yeah, those two things in terms of like I suppose the more like mindset thinking things. But honestly, like practical things, walking and having a bath. Like walking, especially I've noticed since isolation. Like if. I did one day where I didn't get out and I nearly had a mental breakdown. It, I literally was like inside my head. I just need to get out in the fresh air. I need to walk, whether it's raining or whatever. Um, and podcasts, like taking the time out to actually hear somebody else rather than my own bloody thoughts in my head. I love listening to podcasts and audiobooks. 
that's awesome i've been really enjoying a lot of podcasts lately as well walking mm-hmm. is one for me too um i live by lee valley so it's really really pretty here and if mm-hmm. i'm really quiet i'll see deer which yeah. is the best thing um mm-hmm. and then also uh i ask myself what my intention is so yeah. if if i'm about to do something that is probably unhelpful i just check Mm -hmm. i'm like what is my intention here um because i've always been quite a self-sabotager um Mm -hmm. and will do things intentionally that i know are bad to hurt myself Mm -hmm. in some kind of way um Mm -hmm. so like that has been really helpful that is probably the one thing that has been the most helpful of all of the things to be like okay but why am i actually doing this what do i actually want yeah yeah. taking that time to think about it <laughs> instead of just not and just doing it and then being like oh I'm such an idiot why did I do that um because yeah. it's learnt behavior isn't it so you kind of end up just doing it mindlessly without even really thinking about it so stopping and being aware of it and asking yourself is, is so good exactly and also um reframing the story so I do this a lot when I'm journaling so writing down the thing that happened or the thing that I'm worried about and then being like well what's so bad about that what could happen instead what if this happened um and that is yeah. really helpful because then it takes a lot of the stress about like upcoming things, but also things that have just happened away. Because it's like, well, is it as bad as I think it is? And usually nothing is as bad as I think it is. No, never. The stories we tell ourselves are insane and they're never, they aren't ever the story. And I, that is one thing I think is, I have to remind myself, like it is never the story I think it is. Even if I'm like no adamant, their behavior they definitely don't like me it's like it's definitely because I said something that's really upset them I'm like even if I'm nearly there it's still not the whole truth and the whole truth involves a load of their perceptions that I have no control over or idea what they are so it's just so interesting like reframing your own thoughts and story like it's so it's such a good I think worthwhile thing to do yeah 100% and like I think with all of these things as with like learning how to squat or like learning how to count calories or whatever it's practice and you are not going to be good at them straight away like you're not going to instantly be like okay well I'm just going to be nice to myself now no it doesn't it's like it takes time and even years it's still practice yeah um We've been been talking for longer than I expected, so sorry about that. I have really enjoyed this chat. I think it was, it's been wonderful, and hopefully, people listening have found it helpful. I like to share a fun fact of any kind with people at the end. So, have you come with a prepared fun fact for us? Well, I did because it was bloody that I was in Harry Potter, but you said it at the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, damn. Sorry about that. Um, my other fun fact then is, um, only some people would really know this, but I got to go on a world tour with a famous YouTuber um, for a good 18 months. We toured the UK, America and Australia um, doing a two-man show. And um, yeah, it was, amazing. It was the, like the best gig I ever had. So I used to be an actress. Um, Gosh, that's very cool. Yeah. So that's what was great. the two-man show about? So he, he's like this um, like gamer called Dan TGM 
and he did like a show based around the fact that like a cartoon evil version of him stole his pug dogs and then we had to me and him had to go save his pug dogs and so it was just us on stage and then we'd like get kids up in the audience and then we'd like do computer games to like do these quizzes and tests to like and obstacles to like get his pugs back and like but he was he's so popular and famous in the gaming world like these these were like five to eight thousand people shows yeah like and honestly it was like touring with the Beatles like we'd come out of we'd come out backstage and kids would be like screaming and crying and like he had to have like someone with him to make sure that he didn't get mobbed and we like we got to go on we got to stay we toured on a tour bus and then like each weekend we'd stay in um we'd do the tour bus and then in the week we'd stay in hotels all around so it was amazing we got treated like I because it was a two-man show like I got treated just as good as him yet like I wasn't the like famous one like bringing in the money right but so I was just lapping it up and um we got to tour on Dolly Parton's tour bus it was like we had his um her driver it was yeah it was very cool Gosh, that's a great fact. Uh, well, thank you very much for sharing that. If anyone would like to find Danny, I will put links to her Instagram and her podcast in the show notes so you can go and have a look. And I will see you all, hear you all. No, I won't do either of those things. You'll hear me next week. <laughs> have a good one.